Welcome to the Storyform Podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. Hello and welcome to the Storyform Podcast. I'm Holly Packiam, and today I'm privileged to be joined by my husband, Glenn... Hello, everybody. And my daughter, Sophia. Hi. And Sophia just became a teenager this past week, so we've been having a lot of fun celebrating her. Woohoo! <laughs> well, today we're going to be having some conversation revolved around life on the farm, stories from the farm, and part of the reason we all decided to do this was because I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and I'm just realizing more and more as an adult how, what a privilege that was, and I didn't always realize it at the time, but I'm, I'm continuing to process what um, an, an honor it was and um, a privilege and gift it really was to grow up there. And so, and so obviously, Glenn and Sophia have had the opportunity to come with me. So Glenn, why don't you tell us what your experience was, was like on the farm? Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of when the first time was that I went out there um, to visit you. It was when we were dating, I know. And uh, I mean, it was such a different, it was like stepping into a postcard. You know, it was, it was this experience of like, man, I've watched like TV shows about this stuff and <laughs> seen postcards on it, but to actually go there because, and I think part of it is the way your dad farms too. I mean, he is kind of this... Um, uh, poet farmer in a way. I mean, he intentionally does things um, uh, without machinery or with as old machinery as possible. And so there's yes. there's a lot of stuff. You know, it's not the latest technology. He has no GPS tractors and all of that. And so I remember some of my first trips. It was maybe he was testing me, but he asked me to come out and help him do chores, like in the dead of winter in Iowa. And uh, and I went out there, and it was. I mean, it was quite an experience. Maybe maybe he thought I was like the guy from City Slickers but I thought it was great fun. <laughs> Sophia, what, what, are, what are some of your memories? I always look forward to going to the farm and getting to, you know, my grandparents are there, but getting to be in nature and that experience and being 13, getting to drive a pickup truck. Wait a minute now. <laughs> so it's super fun. And one of the things I've noticed and I love about the farm is just the peaceful feeling that comes along yeah. with not being in the hustle and bustle of a city and, you know, getting to see the land and um, going on a canoe out on the lake pond <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think about some of these things, it does seem like a vanishing way of life, you know. And I know there's a great majority of Americans that are still on farms and in farming communities. And yet, as we know, populations are moving more and more towards urban areas and cities and suburbs. And so this Farm life is sort of a vanishing way of life, and I'm just curious, Holly. Like, did, when you, we, when you were growing up, were you aware of how unique this was or how special it was? No, absolutely not. And we, I didn't travel a whole lot, and so um, my rural community. We, we lived next to a town about a thousand people, and the town had um, two blocks of a downtown with. One of just everything that you need. One library, one grocery store, one drugstore, one hardware store. But two Lutheran churches. Two Lutheran churches and two bars. <laughs> That's right. I think there were right. two bars. <laughs> Got to have two bars. Um, I mean, not for us, but yes. Yeah. And it was such a great joy to grow up 
on the farm and to see animals every day, like chickens roaming around. My dad had the philosophy to just let them be truly free range and <laughs> um, to eat insects and you know from the, from the ground. And so we had chickens running all around our farm, and then he'd put them in at night. And right behind our home, we had um, cattle and little calves. My dad runs, uh, he still does run a cow calf operation. And so what that means is um, the cows are bred every year and then they have little calves in the spring. And so just actually this week, I talked to my dad. And so one of the great joys of his reporting from the farm is he always tells us, you know, if, um, especially this time of year, like the end of March is when they start to have calves. And he said, Oh, the first cow had twins today. Mm -hmm. And I was right around Sophia's birthday. (laughs) So that was fun. But you never thought this was charming or anything. I mean, you couldn't wait to leave when you were growing up. It is true. Yeah. I think it, yeah, because I, as I said earlier, it was all that I knew and I really didn't see the beauty of it as much. And I I wanted to experience something different Mm -hmm. because that's all I had known. So I thought I want to go to the city and Mm -hmm. experience that. And I'm so glad that I did. But I think now as I've grown and read, um, I've been able to process some of those ideas. And so Wendell Berry is one of my favorite modern authors. Mm -hmm. And I read, I think the first book I read of his was Hannah Coulter. And it was really a personal experience for me because I felt like in reading that book that it was like reading my grandmother's story. Hmm. And so it was about her and her Hannah and her husband and then raising kids and them leaving, which was a little bit more like my generation. Mm-hmm. But many of us of us did leave and did not continue the farm. But my family's been farming for generations. So my generation was the first to go and do do different things. And so it just kind of gave me more of a glimpse into the life of some of my family and what that must have been like for her. And hmm. so it really just touched me and stepping into her heart and her life in a way that uh, I hadn't heard her express in hmm. a lot of ways, but but knew kind of in my heart that she must have felt a lot hmm. of that, but just didn't express it to us. One of the themes that, that emerges a lot from Wendell Berry's writing is... Um, kind of the attention to detail, or maybe Eugene Peterson calls it vocational holiness, mm-hmm. the, the ability to take your calling and your vocation seriously. And that's something I've seen in your dad. I mean, it's kind of something you've begun to notice as well. Yeah, I think that's what makes him really unique as a farmer, especially even in his area that where he farms, that it's not just a job to him or something that he goes out to do, but he really looks at, like Glenn said, that this is a vocation for him. This Mm. is a holy calling Mm. for him that he really has a sense that he is to steward the land well. Mm -hmm. And an example of that would be that he doesn't even farm all of the ground every year, that he Mm. rotates it and he Mm. plants different types of crops. Like Mm. one year it might be corn and the next year soybeans and the next year alfalfa. And then some years he lets it sit because he knows that that is what's best for the land and that ultimately that does end up producing the best crops but sometimes that's hard to let it sit if you just if your goal is producing producing um yeah just as much as you can as much as you possibly can um and i think even with the animals Mm -hmm. um it's not just about sending them to market in the end <laughs> to get money, but it's actually almost a hard process for yeah. him because he really falls in love with the animals and he walks miles a day out mm. on the pasture. And his favorite part of the whole business is 
walking in the grassland with them and just, and they, they actually come to him. It's mm-hmm. really amazing oh, to watch. <laughs> we got to put this picture, you got to put this picture up when, on the blog when you post yeah. about this, but I have this great picture I took of your dad and it was totally unposed, but I said, oh, you know, Bill, drive us around. Let's look at some of the cattle. I want to take some pictures. I think we had bought a new camera or something. This is several years ago. And and he just gets out of the truck and walks up to the this herd of cattle and like stretches out his arm and calls out one of their names and the cow starts walking to him. I mean, I never heard of such a thing, you know, a cow uh, responding to a name, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just shows that the attention to the animals and that his care for them and that he feel really feels this sort of holy responsibility to care for them. That it's not just about what he can get out of it in the end. It's totally true. And and I would say from a pastoral standpoint, you know, as a pastor, being introduced to the farm has has helped me see things in a very different light. I mean, again, probably the combination for me of reading Eugene Peterson and how much he talks about agricultural metaphors um, for pastoral work, and then seeing your dad who farms literally for the love of the soil and the dirt in that area, the less hills and the love of the animals also, you know, there's so many parallels there with, with pastoral work of saying, do you love the place you've been called to? Do you love the actual people and the work? And, and actually for parents, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, you know, resonance there for parents. Do you love the mundane, the ordinary? Mm -hmm. Can you find beauty in the ordinary? And that's what, the life of a farmer, especially a poet farmer like your dad, helps us kind of see, uh, look, you know, the beauty in the ordinary and the beauty in these rhythms and seasons. And then I, I think about all of the metaphors in Scripture about agrarian life. I mean, obviously, the agrarian way of life was the backdrop for these people in Scripture. And so when we talk about life with God, when we talk about sowing and reaping, when we talk about patience and not growing weary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we talk about watering and cultivating, when we talk about even Adam and Eve's first call in the garden to cultivate this garden, or Jesus after the resurrection being mistaken for a gardener. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much in the scripture that that draws on this agrarian imagery. And for me, it came alive kind of watching uh, your dad and visiting the farm. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful for his example. And I think even now as an adult, I think about and I'm reminded just by his life of, of wanting and con- to be content. And I'm definitely not mm-hmm. always and want mm-hmm. things to change or do different things. And one of the things I always love when we, we, you know, we're grateful for the opportunities we get to travel in the United States and the little we've gotten to travel outside of the U.S. But when I talk to my dad about that, he's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's neat. But, you know, I just, I love where I am. I don't really need to go anywhere else. Right. Like just with, not that he doesn't care about traveling at all, but it just creates, um, uh, a looking toward contentedness, yeah, contentment. you know, and so that that always is a great reminder to me when he talks about that. Okay, so this is the story form podcast, and um, <laughs> one of the things Holly you say a lot about stories is the way it can kind of transport you to a different place and imagination and all of that. So we might say, "Oh, your dad is content to stay on the farm and not you know travel around the world," but actually. Probably a lot of our your listeners might be saying, "Yeah, but I've never been to a farm like that. I've mm-hmm. never actually experienced it." So, so what's a way for people to get in on the virtues that come from mm-hmm. farm life without actually growing up on a farm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that that there are many of you listening that probably have not had that experience. Well, I think of course books are a great way to do that. That 
Um, books have the ability to transport you into another life, into the life of a character who's mm-hmm. experiencing life in a different setting. And there are some amazing authors um, with insightful stories about farm life. Um, and I'd love for Sophia to tell us a little bit about some of the books that you've read that have really transported you into that rural life. And um, But of course, Sophia, you could also tell us about your experience. So whichever one you want to answer first. Yeah. I mean, even the two can go along together with reading a book and then you know, going to a farm and seeing something like that. Mm-hmm. For example, we read The Tales of Jemima and Puddle Duck. And then my grandfather got two ducks. And so we named them Jemima and Puddle Duck. <laughs> and so that was fun. And then... How old were you when that... I can't remember. Probably seven, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And then just, you know, getting to see where does my food come from. Like, one time I was with my grandfather and we were in the um, garden and we were digging up the potatoes, and I realized the potatoes grew under the ground, and you dug them up, not on a tree or a vine. There's no such thing or as a potato tree. In the grocery store. <laughs> the grocery, oh, in the grocery store, store. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah, that's not yeah. where they grow. Um, and then as far as books, the whole uh, Little House series, or mm. especially the earlier ones, Little House in the Prairie specifically, um, takes place in around 1869. And so to get to see what life was like on a prairie and just the work and the chores and how they make all their food, they make cheese mm. and, you know, making their butter with their butter churn and seeing how they smoke their meat in the smokehouse mm. and uh, things like that, getting to see uh, another side of a farm, like an older farm mm-hmm. versus my grandfather's farm, or even just to get an idea of doing so much for yourself rather than it all being provided in a city. And mm-hmm. so, not that it's not provided on a farm, but you you, if, you have to work sure, for it. You have yeah, to work if you want to eat, farm. you got to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we just recently read Little Britches by Ralph Moody, and this was really cool to see the attempt to farm in dry Colorado, where the ground is really hard, and versus <laughs> seeing my grandfather farm in Iowa, and just how they talked a lot about the water shortage and Mm. how much Mm. work went into getting their food and just a very different perspective of how we get our food and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I remember there's a story, Sophia, maybe Holly or both of you can tell it, but when you were reading uh, Charlotte's Web, it was maybe one of your (laughs) first books about like farm life. Yeah. I was four years old and my mom had been reading out loud and we'd been listening to it on the CD um, of Charlotte's Web. And so mom was like, well, maybe you can watch the animated film. So I'm four years old, and I'm sitting on my couch watching the film. And my mom um, heard me say, hey, mom, you need to, you need to come down here and, and see this. And so I came down, and she comes down, sorry, and I'm crying. And mom's going, Sophia, what's, what's the matter? Why are you crying? I was like, I'm just crying, and I don't know why. And so finally, I explained that Fern and Wilbur were, be sep- were being separated from each other, and so they were crying, and so I was so sad because they had to be separated, and I didn't like that. And so, and I was very unsure of my mom's <laughs> skills at this point. She, she'd hardly actually ever watched anything prior to this, and so... I thought this would be a sweet, innocent oh. show, which, of course, it is a sweet right. story, but um, I questioned my choice in that moment. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fairly innocent choice, but yeah. it does it does show that sometimes people can handle more with, and when they're reading it, you right. know, or listening to yeah. an audiobook yeah. than in watching it. And so there's, I mean, books books have these trans, uh, you know, this this power to transport you to this other place, and yet. 
uh, they're gentler. You know, they don't make it so sensory, such a sensory overload that you can't handle it. Yeah, and there's a lot more room for imagination. You know, when you read it, you get to imagine more of what it looked like hearing a description versus when I see it on a screen, they've imagined everything for me. Not that that's not to say movies are bad; they can be mm-hmm. great, mm-hmm. but just the difference mm-hmm. between the two. Mm-hmm. 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 What else? What are some other stories out there? Anne of Green Gables was another one. And this isn't exactly all about a farm, but it has that theme and Matthew working on a farm and then uh, just the way Anne views nature in general. And so reading this really opened my eyes to see nature differently. You know, the way Anne would look at a river or a tree or um, the way that she finds beauty in every type of weather, every plant, tree, sprout, river, everything and just looking at it and not saying oh look there's a tree covered in the snow but oh look it's a snow queen standing there you know and I remember a couple different you know words she would use to describe nature whispering yeah Yeah. trees don't whisper (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I so appreciate and really love Anne's character and I think it gives us eyes to see creation in a different way and opens our eyes to the beauty of it and to eat I think just see you know she talked about glistening (laughs) the glistening glistening waters and so just when we come upon ponds or lakes Mm -hmm. or beautiful trees it would remind would be reminded of her words and the way that she described things and kind of opened my eyes to seeing them with different eyes Mm -hmm. too Um, One book that I'm thinking of is a picture book, um, and it's a compilation of stories. It's called Days on the Farm by Kim Lewis. And you can buy this as the whole compilation of stories, or you can actually buy her stories individually. And one of the ones from the compilation that sticks out to me is called Floss. Mm. And I think all of our kids have really enjoyed this. It kind of reminded me of uh, this dog. looked a little bit similar to the dog that I grew up with and reminded me of my dog on the farm, which this book is called Floss. Um, my dog was Spot, which is quite creative. It was <laughs> pretty small. Did he have a spot? He did have multiple <laughs> spots. So for a young child, that was that was my creativity there. Um, but um, Floss is a border collie and was given by an older man to his um, son to be trained as a sheepdog. And Floss trained well and obeyed, but she really. Um, the dog really longed to play because that was what the dog used to be able to do as a younger pup, um, but was kind of, you know, being taken over to work. And so there wasn't much opportunity for that anymore. Um, but the story really shows how this fun can have an appropriate place in the midst of hard work. So you see that unfold in the story. It's and also kind of surrounding English farm life. Mm. But all the stories in there, just great introductions. It's, if you have kids that you want to expose them to a bit of farm life, um, this is just a great, a great compilation of stories to do that. Okay, so how do you help people not overly romanticize farm life. I mean, obviously some of the things Mm -hmm. I've, you know, you guys have both said is an appreciation for beauty. The farm stories can lead to this appreciation of beauty. Uh, They can can help you slow down, maybe even develop contentment and patience. And yet, uh, you know, I mean, you would say, it's not as if we want to say, oh, this is a superior way of life to to any other way of life. And, you know, so... (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is something you mentioned earlier, and that is the hard work element Mm -hmm. that I think it's easy to look at pictures Mm -hmm. or maybe follow someone's Instagram account of farm life and see the chickens roaming around Mm -hmm. and see the grasses and the breeze and the wildflowers. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think 
although that is very beautiful, that there is so much hard work and a lot of physical work that is the foundation for all of that being able to be and to mm-hmm. um, be present. And um, and that's something that some people, you know, they're they're wired to do that. And like my dad was made to do that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. some people, some people aren't. And mm-hmm. and so that's why it's just neat to see different people in our different vocations. And I think mm-hmm. it's. That, you know, part of talking about this is what what we can see in it, what we can honor in this in this lifestyle, and mm. I I don't think it's meant to be glorified above anything no. else. But we can also see what's good and beautiful about it. Mm. Well, it, it can also produce um, quite a bit of gratitude, can't it? To say, man, isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. You know, Sophia, you were talking about um, where potatoes come from and all this <laughs> stuff, but but like to to recognize that, man. There's a lot. We have things a lot easier now, and yeah. yet, how do those conveniences actually make laziness possible? You know, like like because of things because things are more convenient. Where are we? You know, not developing the virtues of hard work mm-hmm. and of and of determination and yeah. perseverance. When you read some of these stories of enduring the winters, oh, and oh yes. my goodness, you know, so. So there's there's a great conversation starter in reading these books about endurance and about perseverance mm-hmm. and determination and, and all. And that. I, yeah, it, it probably for many of us living in cities, it's gonna uh, the setting of that is gonna look really different, mm-hmm. and may or may not involve hardship or physical work. But nonetheless, we can ask those same questions. You know, are we? How are we using our time? Are we using it to the best of our abilities? Are we are we working hard? Are we getting too lazy? Mm-hmm. And um, we can definitely start those kind of conversations with our kids, depending on their age. Sophia, final question for you. So let's say someone around your age mm-hmm. says to you, Sophia, I think farm stories are so boring or stories set in rural settings. All these mm-hmm. books you've mentioned, I, I just don't think I have any interest in reading them. What? How would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think someone who asks that question might just like books more about what they know. And one of the things about reading books set in a different time period, different place, different lifestyle, like a different lifestyle, like farm life is really great because it expands your knowledge and it gets, um, you get to look into another lifestyle. How do they live? What do they do differently than Mm -hmm. I do? And, you know, we just have a broader mindset to, you know, seeing different people's lives without without getting to a glimpse at this you know we might think that everyone sees or sees things the ways sees things the way we do or thinks or acts or just does everything the same everyone goes to a grocery store <laughs> well maybe not maybe they grow their own food um mm-hmm. and so you know it just it's everyone's life is a little different. And so getting to see, okay, the people I'm around, if I live in a city, I'm around people who also live in a city. But then getting to see, well, look into this person's life. Even if they're a fictional character set into another scene, you're getting a peek at, you know, what that different lifestyle is like. And just, I would encourage people, you know, you don't have to be afraid to look at another lifestyle and you don't have to like it. You can Mm. say, I see this firm Mm. life and that's cool but I like where I'm living and that's fine you just have an you get to see another lifestyle Mm -hmm. yeah I think like with when we read about any character in a book if it's 
if it's someone from a different culture or Mm -hmm. someone who has a completely different, you know, maybe parents have different jobs or they live in a different place. I can think of um, stories set in New York City where there's big families living in a brownstone Mm -hmm. house or, you know, things like that where it's completely different than our life. But I think what this helps is it creates an empathy and an interest, as Sophia is saying, in others. And then when we meet someone, we don't just assume that they're like us or have complete ignorance. I think that's really good because it's not just, um, you know, Sophia, what you pointed out is this isn't read this because, oh, look at the good old days or nostalgia. You know, we talked about not idealizing it, but also Mm -hmm. to not not sort of read this out of nostalgia, like, oh, man, the world is changing and farm life is good. No, but, but to read it just because we become a richer person when we add different experiences and see different perspectives. Yeah. And so books and stories are, of course, not just a way to purely um, gain different experiences, but actually just a way to see from different perspectives and to be able to say, what virtues might we be missing out on if we only read stories that, that narrate the same kind of perspective? Say, for example, you only read, read mystery novels, and then you sort of develop this approach to life that's like, life's got to be exciting, and it's got to have this adventure kind of deal, you know? But, but what if, you know, these farm stories in some ways... Um, teach us a, a different kind of perspective, the perspective of, of patience and of the ordinary and of nature and of hard work. And so so I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that these stories are important, not simply because of their setting, but because of the virtues that they help us embrace. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, thank you for listening today. I also just wanted to ask a favor. If you have not reviewed StoryFormed um, on iTunes, I would love, love for you to go do that, to just even leave us a star rating or write a quick description. If you're enjoying these podcasts, um, it just helps StoryForm get into an algorithm so that more and more people will see what we're doing. So I'd really appreciate your feedback. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be Storyformed. Storyformed.